Most of my life troubles started some years later, many years later after I began following Jesus. My worst failures in life uh, as a workaholic happened after I began following Jesus. And, um, and my life got messy because of that. And life just kind of happened. It's kind of like when I worked not long ago, I worked for uh, one of the rice breeders out at the station for many years. And um, as I was there, um, most of our work in the summertime, spring and summer, and into the fall was done out in the field um, at the research station. And it was most of the work out in the field for us was not done in a, a tractor, a big tractor, an air-conditioned tractor. Most of our work and what we were doing was done in the field, boots on, shovel in the hand, or, or hands down into the flooded rice field, pulling things out of the ground. It, it, was, it was dirty work. And, and, you know, that's what happens in the field. That's what happens in the field. That's where the dirt is. It's out in the field, right? And when it rains, what happens? It gets really muddy. And when you flood the rice fields, what happens? It gets really, really muddy. But that's what happens out in the field. One thing is for sure. It gets muddy and it gets messy when you're out in the field. And for me, my life, my life got messy. My life got, got muddy. And I look around myself now, after that, some years later, I look around now and I think to myself, and this is not Stuttgart Harvest Church, I think to myself, this is because I've had a 30-year ministry, and I look at those previous 20-plus years, and I look around and I don't see a lot of friends left from those 20 years. I look around, I don't see them, and I guess, I guess as a workaholic and, and the, the damage that goes along with that, I guess my life just got too messy for their Lives that appeared to be pristine and clean. What about you? When Jesus called you to follow him, was your life messy? Now some of you may have surrendered your life to Jesus when you were young. And so for some of you, very possibly, you may have been saved from experiencing some of that mess. But some of us didn't avoid the mess. And when Jesus called us, maybe we were right in the middle of that muddy field. But if you have surrendered to Jesus, it's very likely that he called you to follow him. And then Jesus did in your life what only Jesus really can do. With our permission, he begins to clean us up. Right? That's what he does. He cleans us up from the inside out. We get cleaned up. And then the question would be, what has happened in your life since then? Is it possible 
that for you at some point you decided, well, I, 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 Jesus is claiming, I, I don't want to get my clothes dirty again. I, I don't want to get my hands dirty again. So I'm going to stay a safe distance away from that field. There are some Christ followers who actually have decided that. And there are some churches, entire churches, who have also decided that. That they don't want to get dirty, so they're going to stay away. They want to try to preserve their clean and pristine. But here's the problem. All the work is done out there in the mud because the field is out there. Now, this morning we're going to look at how Jesus handled the muddy field. We're going to begin right now in Matthew chapter 9. Now, Matthew was a follower of Jesus. And this is interesting because I'm getting ready to read you something Matthew wrote. And he wrote this portion about himself. But he writes it in third person like as if it's not him, but it's him. This is his experience with Jesus. Look at this, Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to start with verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew, who happens to be writing this. Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Here's what Jesus said. He said, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and he followed him. As simple as that. I mean, he just got up and followed. Verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples. So at this moment, Matthew may not be considering himself a disciple of Jesus because after all, he was a tax collector, which was really hated evil, evil, evil in the eyes of the Jewish people. So later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Now, this is a big deal. If you went and sat down in someone's home, it was a big deal, almost as a sign of approval. Jesus and his disciples were invited as his dinner guests, along with many tax collectors, so another, a lot more hated people, evil sinners, sinner, 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 sinner people, and other, it says, disreputable sinners. And this is Matthew describing himself and his friends. Verse 11, but when the Pharisees, now just see them as the super religious, pristine and clean folks, okay? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, not Jesus, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher, speaking of Jesus, eat with such scum? And Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, he said, so Jesus, they asked the disciples, but Jesus answers them. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And now he quotes some scripture. He says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Now, this was just like a slap in the face of the Pharisees, as it should have been. And then Jesus explains this. He says, For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, 
but those who know they are sinners. It is almost as if to say, you clean and pristine self-righteous Pharisees, you are beyond help. I can't help you. You think you're clean. I can't help you. He said, I'm called for the people that know they're covered in mud, that know they are stuck in the field and they can't get out. I came for. With this experience, Jesus stepped into the muddy field and he looked at Matthew who was covered in mud, you know, covered in sin. His life was messy, and he looked at Matthew, and he said, you, Matthew, yeah, yeah, you, follow me, he said. And he invited Matthew to step out of that mud, and Jesus began a process in his life, as he has in many of us, a process of beginning to clean Matthew up from the inside out. And that's exactly what Matthew did. He followed Jesus out. Now, have that in your mind. Now flash forward to an unknown amount of time. We don't know. But I'm going to give you another snapshot, a series of snapshots of Jesus. Kind of like you're on summer vacation. And you just take a little snapshot. Here we are. Four snapshots of Jesus I want you to see in this next passage we're going to read. It's Jesus and his disciples, and most likely all the disciples are represented, and they're there. And very likely Matthew, now a disciple, is among the group. So we have Jesus and his 12 disciples. Now, I want you to experience four conversations that Jesus is getting ready to have, and we're going to call each one really a snapshot, just this little picture in time that we want to freeze, and I want you to look at that picture very closely. Here's the first, John chapter 4. We're going to be in verse number 1. It says this, Jesus knew that the Pharisees, again, these are those super religious who thought they were clean and pristine. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So they were kind of keeping score, trying to cause trouble. Though it says, Matthew explains, Jesus himself didn't baptize any of them. His disciples did. And you can imagine that would be important because there would then be people who said, hey, I was baptized by Jesus. I'm more important than you. You know, understand? So Jesus didn't do the baptizing. His disciples did. So here's what he says in verse 3. So he left Judea, Jesus and his disciples left Judea and returned to Galilee. And now verse 4, he had to go through. And I can only imagine Matthew as saying this. He had to go through. And you'll understand why in a moment. Jesus, he had just had to go through Samaria on the way. Here's why. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. It was near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long work walk, sat wearily beside the well, and it was about noontime. Here's your first snapshot of Jesus. 
It's a picture of Jesus, and it's a glimpse for us of who Jesus is. You see, Jesus is really God. But yet, Jesus is fully man. Now, I know that is strange, and that's God and man. Why? I mean, that's where I thought God was God. I thought God was up there. I thought, here, here's why. Because God wanted to redeem his creation, after we sinned, we severed our relationship with God. And because God wanted to redeem, buy back, fix, connect with, again, his creation, not the plants and the trees and the animals, with you, people, the humans that he has created. Because he wanted to connect with us, he had to fix the sin problem. That sin had to be paid for, and God knew it would take a sacrifice to pay for that, some kind of debt. And if it was going to pay for the price of the sins of the world, it was going to take a big sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. And since creation, the sin at creation, there was nothing perfect anymore except God, which meant God was going to have to die for the sins of the world. Now, here's the problem. God can't die. He can't. So God's solution. I will become a man, put on the flesh and blood and the bones and the organs and the skin of man. I will become a man. So Jesus was fully, completely God, and at the same time, he was completely a man. And we see a picture of this here. Jesus, who is God, but is also a man. Because it was going to take a sacrifice. He got, for God to die, he was going to have to be a man. Man can die. God can't. So he put on the flesh and the bone and the blood of man. That's why. And so this God that we serve, Jesus... He really was tired and exhausted from walking so far in the desert. He was not pretending. He really was tired. He really was exhausted. Why? Because he put on the weakness of a man. But you're going to see in just a moment that this God, this Jesus was not worried about man-made-up laws. And one of those laws said, a good Jew should never walk through Samaria. But Jesus did. He wasn't worried about those made-up man laws. Do you know why they said a good Jew should not walk through Samaria? Here's why. Because those lives in Samaria, they were too muddy. They were too messy. And they said, don't walk through there. You are pristine and clean. Don't walk through there. So a good Jew would not walk through Samaria. They would go many, many, many miles to go around Samaria. Not through Samaria, but Matthew was like, and he just had to go through Samaria. Jesus was willing to go to the messy place. 
the muddy place. He was willing, and he did. Went right to the middle of it. Look what happens in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, please uh, give me a drink. Jesus was really thirsty. He was not pretending. He was weary. He was tired. He was really thirsty because he was really a man, and at the same time fully God. He was not just trying to make conversation with her. So that was snapshot number one. Jesus, who is God, is fully man. And we see his human weaknesses here. He was tired, he was weary. Snapshot number two. Jesus and now this woman. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Matthew writes in verse 8. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. So Jesus, get this in your mind, is alone in this muddy, messy field in public with a Samaritan. Jesus is saying, man-made rules, don't be around Samaritans. Ah, get out of here. Not me, not worried about that. He's with the Samaritan, but it gets worse, who was a woman. Didn't mean a lot to us. But back then, a Jewish man alone in public with a Samaritan woman, with any woman, but a Samaritan woman, again, man-made rules. Jesus says, no worries, get out of here. I'm not worried about that. Here's what one of the, the, the rabbis taught, and this is what the people adhered to. So here's one of these man-made rules. I'm going to quote it. A man shall never be alone with a woman in an inn or uh, a B in, an Airbnb. You know, never be alone with a woman, not even with his sister or his daughter on account of what other men may think. And he goes on. A man shall not talk with a woman in the street. In other words, in public. Shall not talk to a woman, not even with his own wife, and especially not with another woman, on account of what men may say. That was the man-made law that they adhered to. And Jesus was like, get out of here. You are nuts. Nutso. Get out of here. But even the Samaritan woman understood what that law was because she had been shunned as a Samaritan her whole life and she had been shunned as a woman her whole life. She understood these man-made laws. And listen to her response in verse 9. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, um, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now Jesus has this moment to have a conversation with her about water, and then he moves to living water. 
And then Jesus says this to her in verse 16. He says, hey, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And verse 17, she says, um... I, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, he says, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now, Jesus said to her. And he says, you certainly spoke the truth. In this moment, what was a muddy, messy situation just got really muddy, super messy. Jesus in Samaria, messy, alone with a woman, messy, who was Samaritan, woo, messy, who had had five husbands. And in this culture, that was like pretty much an ultimate mess and is now living kind of as husband and wife with a man that she's not married to, this was really, really messy. This is most likely the reason why this woman was at the well at noontime when she expected no one else to be around so that she would not have to be humiliated by the other people. She would not have to be put down by the other women. She would not have to be harassed and hurt by others. So she showed up at the hottest part of the day when she knew nobody else would be there. I'm not sure that this situation could be any messier of a snapshot for Jesus to be in. For him to enter into this situation. And you know what? Jesus did not run away. He did not run off. Jesus actually knew. Why? Because Jesus is God. He knew that this was going to get and be very, very muddy. And they now continue to this conversation. Verse 25. The woman said, I, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us because they had had a theological discussion for a moment. And then Jesus says in verse 26, Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Now this is huge. I mean, this is enormous. She is not just talking to a Jewish man she is talking to the Messiah. The Messiah that everyone, the Jews, even the Samaritans had been looking for. That's the snapshot of Jesus and the woman. Now snapshot number three. Verse 27. Just then, so right when Jesus says, I am the Messiah... Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked. So not only was the Samaritan woman shocked, the disciples were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? I mean, hey, Jesus, why are you talking to her? 
I mean, they can't believe the scene that they walk up on. They cannot believe that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan and a woman. They are shocked. And they don't even know yet that she's had five husbands and now she's living with a man. They have no idea about that. They just know she's a Samaritan woman and they are shocked. As they walk up, the woman, the Bible says in verse 28, she leaves her water pitcher, her jar, beside the well, not because she's in shock now. No, no, no. And she runs back to the village telling everyone, hey, come, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done, everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now, there are several important things I want you to see about the fact that she runs off with all this excitement. So before she leaves this snapshot, I want you to see this. Because of Jesus and her encounter with Jesus, she, because he was not afraid to step into that messy field, her shame was taken away. Because Jesus was not afraid to get his hands dirty, her soul found peace. And because Jesus was not bound by these man-made rules, her pain was replaced by joy. As she runs off, she is now what we call a new creation. Right there. Right then. And the result? Here's what happened. Verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Okay, so get this in your mind. She runs off. The village is some distance away. And now she's telling those people this. And while the people are making their way toward Jesus... We're going to go back to this snapshot of Jesus and his disciples. So while they are some ways off and making their way this way, Jesus has this snapshot, this encounter with his disciples. Here it is in verse 31. Meanwhile, so this is while the people are coming back, the disciples were urging Jesus. They said, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. And then they start saying themselves, verse 33, Oh, did, did somebody feed Jesus? <laughs> did somebody feed him? Did somebody get him some food while we were gone? I mean, what's he talking about? The disciples, they were asking each other, Oh, what's going on here? Verse 34, then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. You know, God who sent me. And my nourishment comes from finishing his work. Verse 35. Jesus says, you know the saying. Four months between planting and harvest. And then he says, but I say, wake up. Wake up and look around the fields are already ripe for harvest. 
Jesus says. He says, yes, yes, yes. The fields, they're all around you. They are muddy. Those fields are messy. Yes, we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to get our clothes dirty. Yes, yes. When we jump into that field for harvest, it's going to be messy. But look. Jesus is saying, that's what I just did. Look. And now look around you at this field. Jesus continues. Verse 36. He says, the harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. In other words, people connected to God forever. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester. He says, what joy awaits them? And he says this, you know the saying, one plants, another one harvests. And it's true. And now Jesus is getting ready to let them see that in that moment because Jesus planted. And now he's going to say, now I want you to harvest. And listen to what he says. In verse 38, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. By the way, where does the harvest take place? In the field. In the field. That's dirty, and when it rains, it's muddy and messy. It takes place in the field. And now verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. She just went out there and planted all of that. And guess what's getting ready to happen? A harvest. But Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, you must get into the field. You're going to be planting seeds. You're going to be involved in a harvest. Get in the field. Harvest the crop. And yes, it's always messy in the field. But that's where you will always find Jesus. In the field. Now remember what we read in the very beginning? When the disciples walked up on Jesus and the woman. They were shocked, right? They were shocked. I just find this amazing. And at the same time, I find it very, very normal. Because that can happen to any of us. When Jesus called those disciples to follow Him, they were a mess. They were messy. Especially... Matthew. He may have been, possibly may have been, the messiest of them all. He was a dirty tax collector whose best friends were described as scum. And Jesus walked right into Matthew's mess and he changed the life of Matthew forever. And oh, how quickly it seems that Matthew forgot about that mess. 
that Jesus saved him from. And now we find Matthew here shocked that Jesus is dealing with people who are messy. You see, sometimes we get clean and we don't want to get our hands dirty again. We don't want to get dirt under our fingernails. We don't want to get dirt on our clothes. So maybe we stay away from messy lives. How quickly we can forget how messy we were. How desperately we needed someone to walk into our mess and to find us and help us find a way out so that we could leave shame behind. Oh, how we needed someone Someone to help us find rest for our souls. Someone to step into our mess and lead us from pain to joy. And Jesus is telling us, go, go, go into the field. Get into the field and plant and harvest. And yes, it's going to be muddy. And yes, it's going to be messy. And you will get your hands dirty. You will get your clothes dirty. Because it's a field. And that's where I'm sending you. Into the field. And here's the last snapshot. The Samaritans make their way to Jesus. Many of them believed. And here's the snapshot. They wanted Jesus to stay with them. You see, the Samaritans hated Jews about as much as the Jews hated Samaritans. But because Jesus entered into the world and began to change their lives, they wanted him to stay. Here's how it reads in verse 40 as the band is making their way to the stage. It says, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two additional days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And the Savior of the world is changing us as well. By sending someone into our lives, into our mess, into our muddy field, and now the Savior of the world is sending you into that messy field. So I say this. Say yes to the mess. Jesus did. Now, what does all of this mean for us today? Here it is. I'm challenging you, Stuttgart Harvest Church. We were built upon people not being afraid to get dirty. And I believe that is you right now, right here. We will continue as a church, to not be afraid to get dirty. 
to not be afraid of what other people are saying. Why are they so weird? Why do they have a dark room? Why do they have this? Why they don't look like a church? You can't wear that to church. You can't. Well, don't be afraid. I'm challenging you to not be, to continue to not be afraid to get dirty. And I'm challenging you to jump on. Let's ride. And I'm promising you this. Yes, it is going to be messy. Because we are a people at Stuttgart Harvest Church who are not afraid to get up close and personal with other people who are struggling. Because we remember our own struggles. We remember our marriages hurting and disintegrating. We remember relationship troubles. We remember addiction and depression and anxiety and sadness and exhaustion and loss and grief and loneliness. We remember. We remember our hurts and our mess and we're not afraid of theirs. And I challenge you to always have at least three, at least three hurting, struggling people that you are lovingly, continually, intermittently inviting to Stuttgart Harvest Church because you're not afraid to step into the life that is hurting. Because you remember your mess. And you know what Jesus is doing in your mess in your life. And Jesus can do it in theirs. Will you continue to help Stuttgart Harvest Church say yes to the mess? Because Jesus is in the business of making things new. I'm proof. And many of you are too. Let's pray. Jesus, you got up close and personal with our mess. And you're changing us. And Jesus, if you can change me, you can change anyone in driving distance to Stuttgart Harvest Church. And now you're sending us into the field to plant, to harvest. May we not sit back afraid of getting dirty. May we run into the field this week and may we help people connect to you. Jesus, we ask you to help us. You led us into the field. May we follow you there, Jesus. Amen.